Joseph. Oh, Joseph, Daddy's favourite. The one with the rainbow shirt. Look at the colours flashing in the sun. Joseph, he had got what he had coming, didn't he? Hmm? Yeah, poncing around, dreaming, showing off dreams. Joseph, no wonder we left him for dead in that hole in the desert. The story of the precocious and badly indulged child who is left for dead by his jealous brothers, rescued by slave traffickers and promoted through his insightful dreams to the pharaoh's right-hand man is a complex one to put it mildly. And the point that we enter the story today, the point of reunion between Joseph and his brothers, could easily be seen as a rare, happy ending in the history of unhappy families. This is a story about jealousy and trauma and about patterns and growth and about forgiveness. And it's a story about change happening very slowly through, amongst other things, a deep listening to God. So, Jealousy and trauma, patterns and growth, forgiveness and God. Let's start with jealousy. Joseph, ah, Joseph, daddy's favourite, the one with the rainbow shirt. Look at the colours flashing in the sun. Joseph, he got what he had coming, didn't he? Poncing around, dreaming, showing off dreams. No wonder we left him for dead in that hole in the desert. Let's look at trauma. Joseph, in a pit in the dark. I can't, I can't breathe. Freezing. God, I'm so cold. Think, just think. Come on, come on, breathe. Oh, mm. Dry mouth, heart, heart racing, hands sweating. I'm cold. I'm so cold. And the sky is black above my head and the desert wind weeps like ice into my bones. What's that? What's that sound? Pad, pad, wild animals prowling around this deep ditch into which I've been flung and I've, I've never f- felt so, so alone. Abandoned. My own blood has left me here to die. I can't, can't breathe, breathe, freeze, freeze, think, think, breathe. God, I'm so cold, heart racing, hands sweating, I'm cold. That's a good patterns. When Joseph's brother come, bended knee, bellies empty, when they come to beg for help from the pharaoh, they do not recognise their brother, the one whom they had left for dead so many years ago, but he, he recognises them and he treats them badly. In the passage just before the one we heard today, Joseph sends his brothers back and makes them beg. And in the words of Frederick Beekner, Joseph couldn't resist just getting a little of his own back for a while. He pretended he thought they were spies. He planted some silverware in their luggage and accused them of nicking it, and he treats them very much in the pattern of their childhood. He lords it over them in waking and in dreams. And the brothers, well, once they work out who he is, they go back to their old patterns too. Mistrust, suspicion, resentment. Ah, patterns. (laughs) None of us get stuck in those, do we? Carl Jung believed that humans seek comfort in that which is familiar and predictable, even if this means repeatedly and unconsciously sinking back down into the grooves within relationships which we may have thought we had evolved beyond. When my mother was alive, I would often leave her bedside head shaking in wonder and despair that once again, despite all my best intentions to not get hooked into our pattern of judgment and defence, here we were again, both of us, in pain, resigned to a rhythm from years before. Sound familiar? That's a quick growth 
At this part of the story, the story of Joseph and his brothers, the part that we enter today, Joseph does something extraordinary. He breaks the pattern. He breaks the patterns of lies and rage. He breaks, he breaks down and he says, brothers, brothers, can't you see it's me? Why does he do this? Why does he give away his power, his disguise, his authority? Why? Because there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Because the father opened up his arms and ran towards his son, my son, my son, because we all want to go home, even if our historical home was not safe for us. The archetype of home calls deep and low. I ran into someone I went to high school with the other day. She remembered me after all these years and we spoke very intensely and very deeply for just a moment. A highlight of years, the children, the study, the marriage, the death. And then we found ourselves talking about faith. And then I asked her, were you born in Australia? And she said, no, no, I was born in Vietnam. I came here on a boat with my auntie. My parents had to flee without me. I was three. I nearly died. Everyone thought that I would die. I was so small and I had lost so much weight. And then she said, I remember it so clearly. Lying there on the deck in the sun, the clouds above my head, they grew together and they became people. And they came down and they whispered to me, Hold on. Hold on. Your parents are waiting for you. Hold on. And so I did. I have never forgotten it. It saved my life. Because even when your family has left you for dead in a pit in the desert like Joseph or emotionally abandoned you to survive on your own or or left you because they have to in a war-torn country when you are only three or just always given you the sense that you don't quite belong, you know, that feeling that you're just a little bit exasperating and a burden actually and really, well, you know, let's just keep things on the surface, shall we, through gritted teeth and fixed smiles and clenched stomach muscles because actually, apart from blood, we have nothing in common. And actually, I don't even think I like you or your politics or your wife. And yet even so, there is a child part of you that longs longs to be back in the tribe. Even though the adult part of you knows that this might be very, very unhealthy. It might even be an emotionally and existentially dangerous thing to do. Yet we are still drawn, drawn back into the ancient dramas and we still find ourselves reading from the same scripts. So how do we break the pattern? Well, this brings us to Forgiveness. Forgiveness, the word comes from the old English, give, grant, to remit a debt, to pardon an offence, also to give up, to give up a desire or power to punish. Forgiveness. 
It's a concept that's been used as a weapon by abusers over survivors, by colonisers over the colonised, by bullies over victims' forgiveness. It's not actually something that is always possible. Forgiveness, it doesn't mean reconciliation. Forgiveness, it does not mean forget. Joseph forgives his brothers. Frederick Beekner again. Joseph breaks the pattern of pain and forgives. But this real moment of truth doesn't come in the story till after Joseph's father dies. Generous and forgiving as Joseph has been, his brothers couldn't avoid the nasty suspicion that once the old man wasn't around anymore to put in a good word for them, Joseph might start thinking again about what it had been like when they tossed him into that pit and decide to pay them back as they deserved. So they went to see him. And they fell down on their knees and they begged his pardon. And Joseph's answer rings out like a bell. He says, don't be scared. Of course you're pardoned. Do you think I'm God to grovel before me like that? Now, in the old days, of course, the dreams in which Joseph's brothers groveled were his all-time favourites. And yet here he is showing mercy. And so in this story, we see how Joseph saves not just his brothers and through them, the story goes, the tribes of Israel, but he also saves himself. He saves himself from being trapped in ancient family patterns of violence. And he does this by time and by distance and by paying attention to the God who speaks to him and in him in his dreams and as he listens to his heaving human heart. This is a story about jealousy. This is a story about trauma and about patterns and about growth and about forgiveness. This is Joseph's story, your story, my story. This holy, humble, human story. Amen. Amen.